Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. everybody. This is Reba and Allie and I are here today and we're really excited to be having a conversation today about fighting addictions. I think this is an area in our lives that so many people battle uh, is the addictions that we have from the really, really bad ones that we can think about uh, to these minor things in our life that are just constant uh, thorns in our flesh. And so we're going to be talking about that today uh, with Danny Sparrow. Danny, we're so excited to have you with us today. And so Allie, tell us a little bit about Danny. Well, yeah, Danny Spano and I were in a group chat uh, a few months ago, right smack in the middle of uh, of COVID and the pandemic. And he is the care and recovery pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Tennessee. And um, and it was a group of training. It was it was a training group that we had um, getting us ready to kind of start celebrate recovery. And we just needed to hear from some people who had gone through it, and even some people who had talked walked through it internationally. And so Danny, um, it was available uh, to sit and chat with us and kind of walk us through some of our, you know, and, and give us some pointers on how to get started and, and what to do. But he's he served as a leader in the Celebrate Recovery Ministry for over for more than 15 years and has discipled. He has a prison ministry. Um, he has a ministry um, to uh, internationally and training, uh, training other other ministers in in Celebrate Recovery. And, and we know that Celebrate Recovery is not just for alcoholism or drug addiction, but it's for what they call anybody who has a hurt, a habit and a hang or and and a hang up. Right. And so that's one of the things that we talk through. And so Danny, welcome to, uh, to the, to the podcast with, with Rooted Deep. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's been a long journey, but it's, it's such a good one, you know, and I always say, um, you know, don't give up for the miracle happens. Mm. You know, if you if you just keep doing the next right thing, um, it just gets better and better, and uh, man, and then it gets better. <laughs> yeah, we well, you know, Danny. We've been in like a year now of uh, of of dealing with COVID, mm. and uh, people have had to shelter in place, and uh, we've had isolation, and people are working from home, and everything. People just stacked up on top of each other, and no longer getting out to school and work. And I know this has had a major impact on this topic. So talk to us a little bit about how COVID has impacted and the last year has impacted the, these areas of addiction for people. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been really crazy. Uh, when it first broke out, I guess, um, I had a friend, a um, young man that grew up next to me, was best friends with his father and mother and uh I baptized him about three years earlier, let him, let him to the Lord baptized him. And, uh, you know, he kind of struggled in and out of meetings and, uh, right before COVID hit, he reached out and I thought, wow, you know, I, I usually don't get my hopes up. I said, but mm. I, I think he's ready. You know, he's mm. by now he's 41. Um, and, um, you know, a girl called and he went and met her and, uh, you know, they found him dead. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, not dead, but unconscious. Taking the hospital, and uh, you know, his mother called me and said, "Danny, they're they're telling me that I I may have to to take him off life support." And how can a mother do that when I can't even see him? Mm -hmm. I thank God the doctors let the parents go up there, but they they had to to take him off, and he passed away. And then I text our senior pastor. 
I had 11 people in six days calling me needing detox. Mm. Most, uh, probably six of them were for alcohol and then, you know, opiates and meth and uh, cocaine. And and nobody's doing it because of COVID. I mean, there's like the hospitals don't want to do it anymore. Mm. There's so much red tape and bureaucracy uh, associated with it uh, that they just don't want to do it. And, mm. you know, a lot of, there's a lot of recovery centers. Um, um, but the, a lot of them are not equipped to do detox, yeah. you know, and um, it's just a huge problem. And, and it's, it's just through the year, it's gotten worse. And, you know, uh, in Tennessee, we had five people die every day of overdose and three of suicide in 2018. And nationally, those numbers went up by 14 percent in 2019. And by all accounts, conservative accounts, at the end of 2020, we were up 65 to 70 percent. Oh, wow. 2018. And as I shared with you earlier, um, I called three local rehab facilities here in Middle Tennessee. And between the, just the three of them, they were getting over 10,300 calls every month, month after month in 2020, people trying to get in treatment. Mm-hmm. And so you see the magnitude of the problem. Yeah, Absolutely. So, Danny, I mean, what do you think were some contributing factors to watching all of that just just spike? Well, isolation is the devil's foothold. Um, God created us to be in relationships. You know, he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one in a perfect relationship to himself. And he wants us to be in relationship with him and others. And you look at the New Testament, it's flooded with one another's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, encourage one another, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another just over and over again. And, you know, we can't get away from that. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Um, uh, Proverbs 27, 17, Ecclesiastes 4, you know, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We we need to be in healthy relationships with others. That's what real recovery is. Um, you know, people confuse sobriety and recovery. They're two different things. I know people mm-hmm. sober for 20 years and they're miserable yeah. because they never went past a higher power mm-hmm. or a God of their understanding. And I don't know about y'all, but a God of my understanding is no God at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that's a good place to start, you know, but real recovery is spiritual growth and healing from the inside out. And that only comes with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Danny, what do you that. say to a person who? Um, who hears, you know, who hears that phrase or hears higher power or hears, you know, these, these Bible verses. And, and we understand as Christians, the power, the transformational power of, of the word of God. But what do you say to kind of a naysayer who says, no, it's got to be more than the Bible. Or what do you say to somebody who's, who's really struggling? It's like, you know, and because I've been there, I've been in doubt to where I'm like, okay, this problem is too big for me to just throw a Bible verse at it. But having gone through a step study and and celebrate recovery, I can I can see it. But what would you say to somebody who's like, don't quote the Bible at me, you know? Well, well, that's the thing is, is people don't really want the Bible quoted or or beat over the head with. Mm -hmm. We're all visual people. And I really think that coming out of 31 years of active addiction, I started uh, got turned on to smoking weed when I was age 11 started drinking soon after that. And that set the stage for 31 years until I was 42. I I, every single day of my life. And I was a miserable wretch of a person. I I do believe at age nine that I was saved. Uh, 
decision on my own. I was baptized, but I wasn't discipled. Mm-hmm. So I was a baby Christian and I went the way of the world, um, backslidden horribly. And, you know, I've often wondered, was I really saved? But I think that's what made it easier to come back when God allowed enough things to get me broken and on my face. And I, to your point is, I don't think I could have got my arms around what living sober would look like unless God had put me in mm-hmm. front of guys and ladies who had been where I'd been or worse mm-hmm. and were actually living this new living life. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can't fake that. When you look in somebody's eyes and you see this sparkle, this gleam of hope that that you can't find anywhere, mm-hmm. um, that speaks louder than any words. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you need to be around people who are experiencing real life change. Yeah. Um, that's you know, I think sometimes you, we talk about hope and many times people do feel like they've lost hope mm-hmm. and they feel hopeless uh, as if, like Ali said, the situation is bigger than uh, than anything they can do. And I think it's so important to realize that what we can do and what God can do are not the same, <laughs> you know, and, uh, we, we, you know, yeah, you know, we struggle and we strive in our own strength. So many times we're guilty of that. And so, you know, maybe Danny speak into that person who needs some hope right now, because there is hope. I mean, you're, I heard you, you said there's hope. Uh, you're a perfect example of the hope, but the hope's not in us. So talk about that a little bit and, and give us some hope. Yeah. The, you know, what, that's what we're all looking for is, is hope, peace, really. Peace mm-hmm. passes all understanding. And I didn't have any when I was using. I was angry. And working through the Celebrate Recovery steps after being sober, completely sober for 15 months, working through those steps with a sponsor, I realized that the anger, the unforgiveness, and the resentment that I'd harbored in my heart towards my abusive father um, was probably as destructive as the drugs and alcohol. The drugs and alcohol were a result. And so, you know, like I know, I didn't trust my parents. My mother was mentally ill. I didn't trust my dad. When you don't trust people, it's hard to trust God. We often relate that saying, if we have a bad relationship with our father, mm-hmm. earthly father, we relate that to our heavenly father. Yeah. And it makes us hard to trust. And, and I get that. It is hard to trust. But you know what? You got you to gotta have some trust. You know, and, and when people, when you look at it, it's like, you say, well, I can't trust anybody or anything. Well, yeah, you do. When you get to a red light and it turns green and you see a car coming, you don't wait for that car to stop most of the time. You go on through that green light because you're distrusting that they're going to yeah. stop. Right, yeah. You go up at McDonald's and they hand you food. You eat it, not realizing that you're trusting that it ain't going to make you sick or kill you. Right. You trust in different ways all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and that's really kind of the beginning of hope is, is just all it takes is that little mustard seed of, of you know, faith or trust. And, you know, people say, well, you know, I can't, I can't tell anybody my junk or, you know, we all need a sponsor, you know, um, that's, that's humility, right? To be humble enough to ask a man, you know, uh, from a man to a man to, to, to sponsor me or a woman for a woman to sponsor him. That's humility. And God blesses that. And, you know, I'm not the, you know, you can't put all your trust in me alone. It's God mm-hmm. and trusting that person. You're really trusting God. But the, the whole recovery principle is it's a biblical principle, right? Everybody needs an mm-hmm. apostle Paul in their life, yeah. a mentor, 
spiritual mm-hmm. mentor. Everybody needs a Barnabas whose name means son of encouragement, mm-hmm. right? You know, accountability partners, you know, uh, teammates, if you will. And then eventually everybody needs a young Timothy, a sponsee to give mm-hmm. back, to yeah. disciple, you know, that's the commandment, right? Our marching orders go therefore and make disciples of all nations you know that's what we're to do and so that's the that really is a picture of recovery and 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 if you don't have any hope i mean it's hard to get that hope sitting at home i mean you can't it's really hard to now you know you've heard the gideon stories of somebody in a hotel room about to commit suicide and pick up a bible and it changed their life the gospel does change people's lives but we're such visual creatures that I think it's so important to, we have to allow people into our lives. And when we surround ourselves with healthy people who love the Lord, you can see that there's something different. You know, that's when the light at the end of the tunnel starts to shine is when you see hope and the light of Christ in, in another person's eyes. Mm. That's, that's when it starts to click. I, you've heard, you've used the word, Sophie, you've used the word several times. You've used the word discipleship. You've used recovery. You've used sobriety. So tell us a little bit about, so kind of get, kind of get bare bones a little bit about what exactly is Celebrate Recovery. I've got my book, my personal book open, and this is, this is just the way I am. Uh, Reba and I have talked about this before. I jump in without thinking, and I actually read the book without reading the title, and uh, the eight principles of the road to recovery are based on the Beatitudes. It's based on the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's beautiful. I had not realized that even though I've actually gone through a, a step study. I didn't read that title. And so, but hearing you talk, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what Celebrate Recovery is specifically. Well, and you said it so right. I mean, it's about hurts, habits, and hangups. And if we're all honest with ourselves, everybody has been hurt by somebody. Mm-hmm. And if we're really, really honest, everybody has hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we all qualify to be in recovery. And, um, you know, recovery, it, it's, you know, it's not celebrate recovery's idea. It's God. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, he gave us the pathway um, from everything from the Sermon on the Mount to just when he said in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, if you're offering your gift at the altar in there, remember that your brother has something against mm-hmm. you. Leave your gift in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to your brother again that's a picture of relationship how important relationships are to god and you know we don't grow spiritually alone and we don't recover alone yeah and so you know i say it all the time celebrate recovery is a an amazing discipleship tool Mm. um you know it's god's idea and all we do from beginning to end is we point you back to bible you know the christian life is an examined life right? Yeah. We should be constantly examining our life and looking how it lines up with God's word or it's not and make corrections, right? right. And so that's all Celebrate Recovery do, does is, is make you look at your life, an honest view, and see how it's lining up with God's word. That's the, the truest form of discipleship and then doing life together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being surrounded by that encouragement, um, you know, your teammates, your accountability partners, we, we need that healthy mm-hmm healthy people in our lives. Knowing, knowing that how community affects our recovery and celebrate recovery and 
it's how did how did the recovery groups and celebrate recovery kind of adjust during this these Zoom meetings? A lot of times, I think we were forced into uh, because I was in a step study group and I was like, okay, let's work presential, and then it was like, no, forget it, we got to go Zoom meeting. Um, and full disclosure for everybody that 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 knows me and Reba, Reba was actually my sponsor, is actually my sponsor for our you know for my recovery time, and uh, so that's been that's been an exciting blessing but how is it how is the pandemic and having to do a lot of this virtual how has that affected um recovery groups well you know you there's you know i i'm a hugger so this this whole <laughs> COVID thing is killing me you know standing around at church with a mask all the way up under to my eyeballs because my glasses fog up i can't see where i'm going i'm smiling and i look like a bank robber i don't know it's killing me. <laughs> Um, you know, but like we were running 180 consistently every week at Celebrate Recovery at Long Hollow pre-COVID. And then now, you know, we're we're it varies depending on the weather, but we're we're running around 130, 140 okay. now. Yeah. And, right. and 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 honestly, the field has changed. Mm. I mean, this this COVID mess has got everybody standoffish and you know, wearing masks and hand sanitizers and fist bumps where it used to be come in the door and hugging right. people and everybody's excited to be there. And, and it's just this weird, it, mm -hmm. it's really strange. Yeah. And, you know, I get it. We, we got to be responsible and all that, but it's really taking a toll. And, you know, the, sure. We adapted with, with the zoom calls for small groups, uh, just like AA and NA have done, mm -hmm. but you, you know, you can look in the eye and see hope. It's a great tool if that's all you have. Yeah. But yeah. you can meet in person. There's there's mm -hmm. nothing to replace that. You know, I, um, I mean, you think about, I think science has proven that if you take a baby as soon as it's born and it's never touched by a human, mm -hmm. even though it's given nourishment, it will yeah. die. Yeah. Yeah. We we need that touch. We we need mm -hmm. a hug sometimes, you know. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. And, and it's just pride that that pushes everybody away. And really, isolation is the the greatest threat mm -hmm. um, to, our, to to happiness. I mean, yeah. the devil gets in your head. You don't have somebody to look you in the eye and say, "That's straight from the pit of hell," you know. Yeah. Just throw that away. This is the truth. God mm -hmm. says you're heir and he's got good things promised for you. And, you know, if I don't know, sometimes it's it's things that, you know, but when a brother or sister looks you in the eye and tells you the truth, it's it just like it clicks and it kind of mm -hmm. snaps you out of it. If you're alone, you're defenseless. You are mm -hmm. like a branded sheep like for the wolf to devour you. And so, you know, getting together with people, it, it, I mean, Recovery doesn't happen sitting on the couch, and, and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be alcoholism or, or drug addiction. Um, you know, if you're the kind of person that sits down with a half gallon of ice cream and a spoon, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you're going to eat two pizzas and, you know, um, uh, or for ice cream and you're a diabetic. I mean, oh, my gosh. You know, mm -hmm. that's the first thing. And, um, you know, the whole codependency thing, I think the more... Uh, I learn about it the more I realize everybody's codependent to to a, a point. Uh, it can be crippling, um, you know. And that's the one thing I think that Celebrate Recovery does show is that 
there's this commonality to, you know, it doesn't matter if it's codependency or sexual addiction or, or, you know, chemical addiction, it's sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your sin's no worse than my sin and my sin's no worse than yours. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I've led uh, groups of men in step studies where uh, one group, we had like 16 guys, eight of them were drugs and alcohol and the other eight were struggling with pornography. And there were a couple that were struggling with homosexuality. Mm -hmm. When we introduced ourselves, you could see, you know, like the guy struggling with sex was like, well, I ain't got a drug problem. And the guys that struggle with drugs, like, well, I don't have that. <laughs> you know, right. and, and yeah. you can see the question marks above their heads. It's like, how is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And when they started answering those questions, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, they're like, are, are you reading my mail? It yeah. was the same junk, mm-hmm. the yeah. same childhood hurts and wounds. Some went towards sex, some went towards drugs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it, it just shows this commonality that, you know, your sin's not greater than mine. Mine's no worse than yours. Um, so that kind of levels the playing field. But it's very broadening, too. You yeah. know, um, when I first went through the steps with my sponsor, he was like my spiritual mentor, which is uh, Julie's husband, Stan. Mm, okay. And I'd answer my questions the first year was strictly from drugs and alcohol. And when it mm-hmm. get to Stan, he would answer it from a, a totally different perspective, from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I never saw that. So in that sense, it's very broadening. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, as, as I was listening to you talk there, I thought, you know, so many important things that I may, I want to make sure people caught it as you said it, uh, because there, there's a step of humility that is required. And you mentioned that several times for us to understand that we don't have our act together. It's, as bad as we want to present that I've got it all together persona, we don't. And there's a struggle in in all of our lives. And to lower that pride and to be able to say, these are the areas in which I'm struggling in. And many times just to raise our hand and say, I need help. Uh, I need help. I need help uh, to be able to figure out, I don't know how to get from where I am to where I need to be. And that's I think it's such a freeing thing for people who are bound in bondage for so long and, and their pride is keeping them from saying, I need help. And they want freedom so desperately, but they're not doing anything to get that freedom. And so I'm sure right now there's people listening that, you know, their bells are going off in their minds and they're thinking, man, this guy, like you said a while ago, this guy's reading my mail. This guy's speaking right to me. And so for those that are listening right now, Danny, that they may be struggling with some of the very hurts, some of the very hangups, some of the same addictions that you have mentioned and, and talked about as we've walked through this interview. Can you give them some basic steps right now? What do they need to do right now to start moving in a direction towards getting freedom and help? That's that's really good, uh, Reba. Um, you know, the other thing about feeling like I got it all together, being in denial, and I don't really need some help or I ain't sure I need some help. The other flip side is that is I've met people who think they're so bad. Uh, They've done so many bad things. They are just stuck in self-loathing that there's no way God could forgive them. And I think until they look another brother or sister in the eye and they see that that person truly loves them and forgives uh, them right where they're at. I think I've seen it just click. Like if this guy can love me, and forgive me and accept me maybe 
maybe God can. You know, it just it like opens up the, the whole spectrum. And the one thing that I want to say is there is no recovery. You know, and if you're not a believer, I understand that, or you've been hurt by church, you know, I, I understand the, the hang up there. But there is no true recovery without church somewhere that's preaching Jesus from the Bible. If you walk in and you feel like they're looking at what kind of shoes you got on, walk out the door. <laughs> you know, in America, you can go out the door and, and throw a rock in any direction, probably hit another church. You know, find one that you feel comfortable in and that you're going to get started in. That's the kind of the foundation for recovery. As I said, it's spiritual growth and healing. And the other principle is those people who think they've been so bad and they wouldn't be welcome is you got to understand like me when I, God got me broken because my wife, my, we didn't go to church and my oldest son was involved in long haul youth. And then in 2005, my wife had a double ruptured brain aneurysm. Mm. Oh, wow. And God saved her <clears throat> with no side effects. But we saw the church in action. We saw people and pastors and parents loving on my boys, praying with them in the halls during that 16 hour surgery. And after she came through the surgery, she said, Danny, uh, when I get better, I want to start going to Corey's church and I want to yeah. guys. And I said, you got it. Mm. Well, I was addicted. So I showed up high mm. for about three months till March 10th, 2005, from the end of January to March 10th. And people go, <gasps> you know, and I'm like, I thank God that I remember Jesus said, come to me all you <laughs> And heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Yeah. I was looking for rest. Yeah. And and the thing that people need to understand is you don't change to come to Christ. Yeah. You yeah. come to Christ to change. Yeah. Yeah. It don't work that way. If I thought I had to get cleaned up, sobered up, look right, dress right, act right, talk right to go to church, I never would have made it. Yeah. yeah. So many of my old friends are stuck there. And so what I would say is, is you've got to get connected. You know, you, you got to move out of the isolation. You know, there's a way to do it safely, you know, mass, you know, kind of distance, but you need to get connected to people. You need to be honest with yourself. God already knows it, but you need to be honest with him. Mm -hmm. And then you need to be honest with another person. You know, if you pray about it, God will put those people in your life. You know, he hears our prayers. Um, if you're not his, you know, he's still going to draw you to him. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's just moving from a place of isolation to a place of connection. That's the first step. And then, again, you got to trust is earned, right? So you mm -hmm. don't go into groove and you tell somebody your whole, all your <laughs> life, bare your soul. Trust is earned. Mm -hmm. So as you come and interact with people and you see that this person you know, I, I can tell that that he genuinely cares about people. He's not trying to manipulate people. Mm -hmm. He's not codependent on people. He's consistent at the meetings. He has what I want. Mm -hmm. And that would be somebody that you'd ask and say, hey, man, I, I really need a sponsor. And the thing that people need to hear is a sponsor is not till death do us part. Right. Right. It's not carved in stone. And I, and I know Reba's very excited about that, too. She's really thankful. <laughs> Pass me off to somebody else. Well, if you're not doing the deal or, you know, I, I'll tell you, and, and Stan, I fired Stan. I love Stan. <laughs> but he wouldn't answer. He was so busy with his work. Mm. I call him, hey, man, I really need to talk to you. 
And then I'd see him a week later at the meeting. I'm like, did you get my voicemail? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got it yesterday. I'm like, well, I get my voicemails the same day, <laughs> you know, six days later, bro. And so I actually fired him because, you know, I, I needed somebody. And uh, so I got another guy, I prayed about it. And, well, he didn't make it about four months and that guy relapsed. So mm. for a while, just using accountability partners. And then I just had to sit down with, with my brother, Stan, and and uh, he's been my sponsor ever since. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the way that works is, you know, you, you don't have to bear your whole soul. You yeah. build a trust. You build a relationship that, right, there has to be a relationship in order to ha hold someone accountable. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can hold someone accountable that I don't know nothing about. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, I tell people if, if I'm going to sponsor you, I take my side of the deal seriously. And, you know, I commit to I'm going to call you back or mm -hmm. you know, call I'm in a meeting. I'll text you. Hey, do I need to step out? Or can I call you back? Um, but, but, um, wow. I'm sober now. The damage is done. I just lost my trade. <laughs> I think it's, I think. One of the things about Celebrate Recovery that um, during the step study uh, that we've, we've, we've gone through the steps and I've gone through the steps with my group and, and my sponsor was Reba, but there is that moment of it's an inventory and it's a lot of, it's a lot of just, okay, I've got to open up and be honest and really, truly. And then there's, and, and I think it was interesting because Celebrate Recovery brings it out. You have to be honest about yourself, but you also have to be honest to your, to yourself. You have to really tell yourself the truth. You know it, but then you have to come back and say, okay, no, for real, uh, this is, you need to, you need to speak these truths, um, and, and tell yourself the truth and, and believe it. And that's one of the things in, in the inventory. And there was like a moment and Reba probably remembers. And I was like, I don't know if I want to through this. And, and, but at the same time, I did trust in the process. And I did trust in Reba as a sponsor and, and understanding a mutual vulnerability that I think is, is key to, to recovery. Um, but I wanted to ask you about, you know, these, you know, the, the, there's, how do people find, you know, if they need, if they need to say, okay, I need to find a, a, a group or I need to find a sponsor or what, you know, how, how would we be able to direct somebody to finding a celebrate recovery in their area? Because they really are all over the place. 30,000 churches across the U.S. have celebrate recovery, non-denominational, every yeah. kind of uh, um, denomination out there. Um, there's a smartphone app. It's a little orange C over a R. And in that has a lot of great resources. You can put your zip code in there. Make sure the little um, selector is on 25 miles or more. Mm -hmm. Even if there's a group five miles away and you only select 10, sometimes it doesn't work right. But you uh, you pull up the group finder in that smartphone app, put your zip code in, and it pulls up every church, a mm -hmm. uh, uh, contact name, phone number, email, uh, directions, what time they meet. Um, it's it's right there in your hand, you know. Or you can go to www.celebraterecovery.com, mm -hmm. go to group finder, same process there. Put your zip code in, and bam, every church in the area will come up, and uh, that's a great tool. Um, most of the Celebrate Recovery is in Middle I, I do serve as a state rep um, for Celebrate Recovery in Middle Tennessee, and most of all of them uh, are back to in-person meetings. Mm. Um, we're not doing food or, or anything like that. We do have coffee, but uh, um, but yeah, that's that's the way. And, and where I was going with that, um, you know, about um, uh, your sponsor and stuff is that, you know, we need that. Like that's, that's the key is, um, 
um, if they're not working, if they're not willing to call. And when I ask people like in the beginning, I want you to call me every day. It's not because I want a two hour confessional. Right. I just want yeah. to check in. I want a voice. I don't want to text. You can text high as a kite. Mm -hmm. I want to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. And hey, man, I had a good day, bad day. What you're doing is building that relationship. Yeah. So the relationship gives you the right to hold someone accountable. That's the only way it works. That's yeah. where I was going with that. So no, uh, I like that because I think it's so important. We have to want it. You know, through the years of counseling with women, sometimes I want it more for them than they want it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's no progress when, mm -hmm. when, when the person on one side wants it more than another person wants it for themselves. You have to want it. And, and because it is, uh, it's a fight. And we've been talking about that this whole month. It, it yeah. is a fight to, to overcome some of these uh, habits, some of these uh, comforters that we've, we've found to soothe the pain um, for a moment. Uh, some of the things that drown out the pain for just a moment, and we've just numbed ourselves silly with it. So we move from one numbing agent to the next numbing agent to try to be able to get through a day. And I think that those are things that we just really have to fight through. And, uh, you know, Danny, I know there are people out there listening right now. Maybe it's not them with that they're listening to this podcast for right now but they've got somebody they love and they've got somebody they love. It could be a son or a daughter. It could be a spouse. They've got somebody they love that, that is struggling with an addiction. And, you know, they, they pray for them, uh, but they struggle to know what should I do? What can I do for them? What, you know, so can, maybe could you speak to them here as we come to a close and, and really maybe give them some direction. If I'm a, if I'm a brother or a sister or a parent or a spouse to somebody who's going through struggle of an addiction, how can I help them? Yeah, that that's great, Reba. And, and that's so important. It's, it's like really, even, even if you're not in recovery, own in principle and step one that says, you know, I'm powerless. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm powerless over my behaviors and, you know, addictions and compulsive behaviors, but I'm also powerless over what other people do, choose to do or choose not to do. You know, I can't, we can't fix anybody. If they're not willing, they're not willing. The last thing that we can't do is enable them. You know, I tell parents all the time, you know, well, you know, I think he's just doing this or that. Well, it's going to get worse. You know, addiction gets worse. It's progressive, just like sin. The more sin you allow in your life, the more you're open to. It's progressive. And the thing that I always tell people, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. If they go out, they, they use, they go to rehab. You know, I had a good friend has been to, I don't know how many rehabs. And his mother said, well, you know, he's willing to go to rehab again. Um, what about, you know, this this place? And I'm like, the definition or a way of saying insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. He's been to how many rehabs? Like, no, you know, um, he needs, he does. This guy needed mental health and mental health uh, and addiction go hand in hand. They call it co-occurring disorder. Um, you know, he, he's, he's bipolar. He gets a little manic and then he starts getting on the, the dating apps and, you know, I'm not judging, but, People that are on those dating apps, most of them are using. And as soon as he goes and hooks up, then there he is. And and this guy will drink till his blood alcohol was 542. Mm. The 
released, you know, got him at the hospital just last week. And um, so the thing that I say is, you know, I've, I've seen parents and siblings say, well, you know, he got out of rehab, he's doing good. And I'm like, well, is he going to church? Well, no, but he's doing good. I'm like, well, is he going to meetings? No, but he's doing really good. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> you know, he's not. And she's like, well, I didn't want to push him to go to a meet. And I'm like, people, I'm not going to debate the addiction is a disease and all that. But I know you have to treat it like a disease. Mm -hmm. Sin. Sin is a disease. And we have to treat it with daily in the word, fellowship with believers and, and worship and, and surrender. And it, the same is true with addiction. We have to own it like I have a disease. It's going to kill me. If I take my regular chemo treatments, then it'll go on remission and never rear its ugly head. But if I quit taking them, I might look all good on the outside. I'm doing good at work, working every day. Everything looks good, but inside it's growing and it's going to mm -hmm. kill you. And the only thing that's really bad about addiction is it kills everybody that loves you or cares anything about you. So, you know, I, I tell them, like, if your brother had a chemo treatment scheduled on the other side of Nashville, would you or anybody in your family be with, well, it's a little slick out, so, you know, we're, we're going to be safe and not go to the meeting? No, you wouldn't go for that. You'd be calling everybody you know with a four-wheel drive truck. I've got to get to my meeting. I need mm -hmm. to go to church. You know, it's everything changes or nothing changes. Yeah. You know, you can't just replace you know, so many times parents want, well, they went to 28-day rehab. Now check the box, move on with your life. Yeah. That's not recovery. Recovery begins when you get out of there. I don't care if it's a six-month program. You have to learn how to do life, you know, and grow spiritually. And you can't do that alone. You have to do it in church. Uh, the folks that don't need uh, or don't understand addiction, you know, if you understand sin, just look at it like they're struggling with sin. How would you help them? But you also need to educate yourself on the resources that are available within the church and within the community. And so I'm working on this um, event that's going to be live stream and in, in person August 26th at Long Hall uh, Baptist Church. And it's called Supporting Those Who Struggle. And it's all about just that, you know, for the people who suspect their loved one is using, but they're not sure there's going to be breakout sessions on how to determine if someone's actually under the influence, red flags of addiction. They'll take yeah. you to training, uh, an understanding of the addicted brain, um, whether it's food or sex or drugs, um, it's called the addicted brain. And then we'll have a suicide prevention training, training on celebrate recovery, what it is, what it's not what enabling might look like. We've got uh, parents who lost their son a year ago to overdose and they're going to really speak out of their heart. And they feel like, you know, Rick Warren said out of your greatest pain will come your greatest ministry. Mm. You know, he also said, God never wastes a hurt. And so, you know, they, they see this tragedy. The only way that God can turn that tragedy into something good is if they speak out of their pain and help people understand where they went wrong. You know, how you can't ignore the pink elephant in the room. You have to address it. You have to educate yourself on what are the resources available to me in the community. And so we're gonna do three panel sessions, discussion panels in this uh, town hall type event. And, uh, uh, you know, former uh, sportscaster Rudy Kalis is gonna uh, moderate the panels with me. And I think it'll be a really encouraging and informing night. Um, and it will be live stream on all Long Hall's social
social medias, YouTube and Facebook. And uh, um, I've given you the link. Uh, the link yeah. for the social media will come out later, but that would be a great resource. Um, there's resources in every community across this country um, and across the world, really, you know, maybe not as many in, in you know, um, more isolated places, but, um, you know, that's that's the key is education understanding more about the disease and its behaviors and how it's progressive same thing with mental illness mental illness unaddressed what happens it gets worse right yeah. and you can't just ignore it you've got to hit it head on and tough love you know that's that's the hardest thing to do but again you know if if nothing changes nothing changes you know if there if you know and another principle i want to say that people need to hear is when Jesus said, uh, when an evil spirit comes out of a person, he goes about arid places looking for somewhere to rest. He finds none. So he says, I'll go back to my house. He finds the house swept, clean, and empty. He goes back and gets seven more demons, worse himself, and comes back, and the man's condition is worse than the beginning. Yeah. So for people, when you get rid of bad stuff in your life, you've got to fill it and replace it with good mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. or you're still empty. There's a void there. And I've seen it so many times where they get rid of the drugs and then they get into relationship addiction, got mm -hmm. to have a girl, you know, sex and, 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 or, or their job and making money and more money. There's a void there that only Jesus can fill. So when you get rid of the bad stuff, you have to fill up with good things, church and, and, and men and women who love Jesus, who are going to encourage you and speak the truth to you. You know, and not co-sign off on on junk. They're going to tell you the truth, and without that, you kind of set up to fail. Yeah. yeah. My uh, my husband. It was interesting when uh, he actually had brought that that uh, Bible passage to my mind. He was like, "Is this something that you guys actually talk about?" This Bible passage, you know, about you know you coming in, and I love the fact that you know you get everything in order, your house is clean, the demon's gone, and then it comes back. And I think I've heard uh, your your senior pastor uh, Robbie Gallaty talk about that. You don't, when you're in recovery or well, I'm sorry, when you're sober and then you, you relapse, you don't relapse at the beginning, you re you're relapsed, you know, and that addiction comes back stronger, you know, than ever. And as he's sharing his testimony and his, you know, his book recovered, he actually, you know, points that out. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful that you mentioned uh, that Bible passage. We're going to bring this to a close, Danny, but personally, when we, you know, when we, when we interview somebody, we like to always ask them this last question. Um, and, and just make it really personal. And I think you've already kind of brought us to, you know, even without even mentioning the fight, you've talked about how, you know, how to be in the fight. And, uh, and one of the ways that we fight is just to stand and be rooted deep. So we wanted to ask you, Danny, what keeps you rooted deep um, as far as, you know, just in your life, in your recovery, continuing recovery, and as you minister to others? Allie, I'm glad you asked that. Um, that's, that's real. Um, and it ought to be a source of hope. So. When when I started working through the steps and, and I realized God got me broken and I got into suburb recovery, when I understood that all the rotten things that happened to me as a child that were not my fault, mm -hmm. and then all the things that happened to me as a young adult that were my fault, that didn't happen for nothing. It happened so that God could use me to help others. Mm -hmm. And when I owned that purpose in my life, Mm -hmm. my spiritual growth and recovery went to the next plane. And, and I'm not saying I'm on the spiritual mountaintop, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. saying it, it took off. Yeah. 
And, and you know, so many people today, you say, well, what's your purpose in life? And you get deer in the headlight looks, you know, they don't know. And, you know, it, God never wastes a hurt. And if you can take, if you're a parent and you struggle with that, you can turn that into good. God will turn it into good. My life, all the, the misery and wreckage and things that happened to me as a child, no kid should ever have to endure. God used that so that I could help other people. And when I own that, you know, that's what keeps me going. You know, people say, well, you know, with addiction, it's, it's really low numbers, you know, success. And, you know, that's true. And and there's been a lot of times on this road to recovery. March 10th will be 16 years. Um, oh, congratulations. Uh, awesome. But um, there's been a lot of times down this road to recovery that I thought, well, I'll just get more involved in church. And, you know, I might go to a meeting every now and then. And God always tells me pretty quick, you'd forget. We're all chronic forgetters. And what I've seen is when people get five years sober, how many of them make it to 10 years? Mm. Less than one percent. Wow! And people go, "What? After five years, why would they go back?" Because we are chronic forgetters. Mm -hmm. You think if you walk through the Red Sea on dry land, led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, (laughs) you forget how good God is. But what did they do? Moses on the mountain for forty days and forty nights, like nobody can live. Let's build a golden calf, and you know, my God, different. You know, and and so. Going to the jail, a year and a half into my sobriety, someone said, well, you take celebrate recovery to the CCA prison. I thought, prison? Really? Uh, I should have been there. Um, you know, by God's grace, I didn't get caught with all the quantities I was selling, or I'd still be in prison. And I prayed about it, and I went on. And that's been a huge part of my recovery is, you know, there's this distinctive smell in there, whether it's the county jail or the prison that's it's unique. It's like bad cafeteria food and BO. It's just this a reminder of where I don't want to be. Um, sitting at Celebrate Recovery is a mission field. Mm-hmm. We've got so many people in our church that would love the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, but they don't ever come. It's like I'm sitting there and we don't we don't try to save anybody in the small group. You know, we let people share. We don't share directly back to them in response. We let them share in a safe place where it's going to be kept there. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, I've had the privilege of leading a lot of guys to Christ because mm-hmm. I hear them say, you know, here's my life. It's a wreck. I've blown my marriage up. Where's God in this? Or I know I'm lost or I think I'm lost. And afterwards, I throw my arm around and like, hey, man, I heard what you said. Could You know, can I share with you? Mm-hmm. And if I share the gospel and they get mad and reject it, then they can just be mad at me. Yeah. And they don't feel like the group tried to fix them. Yeah. You know? and, and so for me, understanding that all that wreckage in my past, God used to shape me so that he could use me to help people. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, me and Robbie, our stories we're able to help people that there's so many pastors on staff that just go, uh, you know, I, just, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that, you know? And, um, you know, so that's, I, I feel confident. That's why God has, has, you know, to come where I've come and, and then to be a pat ordained pastor on staff is, is no less miraculous than part of the Red Sea. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you know, so that, that's what I'd say to people is just, just don't see what, what, you know, the past, you can't let the past 
shape your future. You can't stay stuck in the past. The past is the past. Thank God it's the past. You can't change it. All you can do is learn from it and move forward. Mm-hmm. And and when you move forward, you need people. And, and that's that's the greatest resource God has given us is, is other brothers and sisters. Oh, that's so good. Well, Danny, we want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, there are just so many things that I know are takeaways for people uh, as they've been listening and as they've heard. Uh, and boy, I, I hope that we'll be able to get you back on this podcast uh, around another topic, maybe in the future, uh, because this is this is where we live. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this is where so many people struggle and looking for answers, looking for hope and feeling like they just can't find it. And I hope today you've heard something. If you've been listening today, I hope you've heard something that you can just latch on to. Maybe just one truth, one step, one thing uh, that you could, um, you know, that you can take home with you and just start putting it into practice and take that first step. And I want to remind you, it'll be on our podcast notes, but this event that's coming up at Long Hollow uh, Baptist Church, uh, and you're in the Hendersonville area. Is that right? Uh, is that right, Danny? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in Hendersonville, Tennessee area, and I think there's going to be some information on how you can watch it uh, if you can't get to that location. Uh, but uh, it's supporting those who struggle. And we're going to put that link to that so that you can get on that, find out more information about that. Uh, I just uh, think that's going to be so uh, such a helpful thing for so many people who uh, have loved ones and people they care so much about, and they're at a loss to know how to go forward. Uh, so again, Danny, thank you for being with us today so much. Danny uh, Spano, uh, the recovery and pit prison ministry and the member care pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church. Um, and as always, if there's any way that we can help you um, connect you to sources and resources uh, besides Celebrate Recovery or anything else, please reach out to us via email, connect with us. Uh, that's really what this podcast is all about, is uh, just helping you find a way to get rooted deep in your life so that you can grow and that God can do great things in your life in the days ahead. So know this, God really does have the answer for you today. And so lean into him and see what God has for you today. Until the next podcast, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and Look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.